Welcome to the Renew the Mind podcast with the pastoral staff of Christ Community Church. That's Pastor Ryan. That's Pastor Jeff. That's Pastor Patrick, and I am Pastor Daniel. And uh, <laughs> our goal for this podcast is to help all of us here at CCC be obedient to the call of Romans chapter 2, where it says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And uh, last week, we were talking about the benediction at the end of uh, the first chapter of uh, the first letter to Timothy. So here in verse 17, I think we got through the king, eternal, immortal, and part of invisible. I think we're probably going to wrap up the end. So with that, I'll turn it over to Pastor Jeff. Yeah, so he says uh, that the king of the ages is immortal, invisible, but then he says, to the only God. Now, this phrase here is mono theo, and it means, mono, of course, meaning one, but it actually means the only entity in its class, or the only entity in that class of an entity, whatever it is. So it's the only one of its kind. Hmm. Uh, and so here, God is the only God. Now, in what sense would we be using that phrase, God is the only God. Explain that a little bit more, and what do you mean by in what sense? Like I don't know. I was hoping you had an idea. <laughs> no, my I, idea I, is, um, some some people might say, well, he's he's the only God of my faith, but there might be other gods gotcha. uh, of gotcha. other faiths. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, sure. But in what sense does Paul mean that Yahweh, or you know, yeah. Jesus's father is the only God. He's writing to Timothy in Ephesus, so he's writing to a yeah, not just not Jewish yeah. culture. Um, I, I I think it is a claim of exclusivity, yeah. right? That he's saying these other gods, though they might be spiritual entities, yeah, of some kind, because you know Paul also says you can't you know the meat that's off offered to right. to idols is yeah. offered to demons, really, yeah, right? Right. Um, but that they are not of the same category. They are created. The same, yeah, of the same nature or substance as right. the yes. only true God. So yeah. and that's exactly right. I think where Paul is going with, Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a half-Jew living in a very Gentile city yeah. with lots of temples and gods, but Paul's a Jew. And the Judeo-Christian view of God uh, is that there is only one God who is uncreated, uncaused, yeah. self-sustaining, um, self-existent, yeah. you know, who, who's, whose existence who is not contingent, contingent on anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is what this Jew means by the only God. Yeah. This is what a Jew would have meant in the first century. There is no other God. There is no God before him. There will be no God after him. Yeah. So this idea of the only God um, is very important to him. It's... So he's got some pretty heavy-duty terms here to describe the nature, the nature of God. Um, so the God who is the only God, um, he says, "Be honor and glory forever and ever, Amen." So obviously, honor and glory is due God, um, but does God share His glory? No. Not in the sense of ownership. Like it's it's yeah. all glory is his, his but does do we share <laughs> in it? 
That's quite what you're asking. I mean, to what yeah. extent is it his, and what extent do we as his, if we're going back a couple of weeks ago, co-regents, co-heirs, right? involved yeah. in that glory? A couple weeks. Well, now, in Isaiah... Isaiah, Isaiah okay, read it. What I was looking it? for the verse. Isaiah 42. 42 says, I am the Lord. That is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. So when Jesus says that he is returning to the Father so that he could go back to the glory he had with the Father before the foundation of the world, that must be heresy, unless you yourself are are the only true God. Right. And obviously that's what Paul thinks here. So if, if the only God is deserving of honor and glory, and yet Christ says that the Father's glory is my glory... So now what do we do with Romans chapter 8, which says that you and I are going to be glorified, like those he uh, called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. What does it mean for us to be glorified? If God doesn't share his glory and Christ has the same glory as God, what kind of glory are we going to inherit? I think it's very much uh, like we talked about a few weeks back with partaking in the divine essence. Is that right. the right language from Second Peter? Yep. Um, in, in which we don't become gods ourselves. We don't have a self-existent glory like God would. Um, but in being perfected in the eschatological reality that will one day take place, we will be perfected to be like be like God in a sense, to be free from the infirmities that now plague us. I think uh, that's, that's a great answer. It, so that's a great answer. Yeah. That's a great answer because the Father and the Son, and of course the Spirit, all share the same glory from eternity past yeah. because it's innate to them. Exactly, yeah. You and I are like, so that's like the Son. Yeah. The Son has innate radiating we get, properties. We get off of that. That's our yes. glory. Yes. <laughs> well, we're the moon, right? Yeah. Like the moon like the, is yeah. not a natural yeah. light source. If there were no sun, you bed. couldn't yeah. see the moon. And our, and our, and in that sense, in our uh, glorification, when we are made whole, yeah, us re- restored to perfect purpose, and yeah. all that kind of stuff, that is going to serve to both as a an expression of God's glory as the creator, yeah. as the redeemer, as the, yeah. but it is also going glory. to broadcast that <laughs> yeah. glory right. um, out, out to the, the creation. But it is, will also, uh, and, and as things see that, yeah. they will give glory to the creator. Yeah. So, And we will reflect his glory. In Romans 8, I asked about that passage because the context there is our resurrection. Yeah. So where the human race who believe in Jesus, where we're all going here, is resurrected bodies at the end of the age. And that's what Paul calls being glorified exactly. or glorification. Yeah. Now, Jesus has already risen from the dead, and he's already been exalted to the right hand of the Father, uh, enthroned in heaven. And then you and I are going to experience in our resurrection, being raised from the dead, a participation like we talked about in that, you know, Second Peter 1, 4, sharing in the glory of the Lord. But that's why I use the analogy of the moon rather than the sun. We're We're going to reflect (laughs) the glory of the sun. We don't have any innate glory. Right. (laughs) Everybody gets glory. (laughs) But when it comes to the glory that is that defines God as God, we don't share in that glory. Amen. We don't yeah. have that. Same, same type of thing with authority. All authority belongs to the Lord. Yeah. Right. We get 
to delegate something <laughs> right. in in a way, yeah. but it's still the possession and yeah. the and belongs to the Lord. We get to we are beneficiaries yeah. of it. We get to move around in it. Right. It so is distinctly I don't think we, his. We, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we struggle with glory, but the other one, honor, directing all honor to the Lord. How might we be tempted to steal that honor? Oh, I mean, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that where we come in? That's a well, little bit n- more of the transaction. In this first century context, and I think much more so, you know, the more I read about their Greco-Roman world, the Greek and Roman world, mm-hmm. and their social structure, the more I see that America, you may not think this is true, but America is remarkably modest in comparison. I mean, we are really modest. <laughs> These people were not. Yeah. These people were, their entire culture was geared toward honor and glory for the individual for the sake of their group, whatever their kinship family or their kinship group was transferred to their group. So, so for them, it, this is weird because in Rome, it would have been perfectly acceptable for you to discreetly promote yourself, like perfectly acceptable. So long as it was not ostentatious in public, so long as it was fairly clandestine, but you were just a, you were just a mechanic. You were in the behind the scenes, administrating your own rise through the ranks, bringing public glory. Now the rise was always clandestine, but the transfer of honor and glory, uh, to you was always public. It was always a public recognition of what you had done and how you have been affected the city. Right. So you and I really do live in a culture where we are much more modest and that's probably a Christian ethic. That's, that's a reflection of a Christian ethic. Now here, Paul is kicking against this. Paul is pushing against this. Paul is saying, no, the, the Christian ethic is not bringing glory and honor to ourselves in the public. The Christian ethic is all glory and honor be to the one true God. Right. Um, but do we have any, uh, do do we have any honor and maybe a glory in a sense of a public reputation that we need to cultivate? Did the apostles do it by the fact that they were apostles? Did they cultivate it in a right way by saying like when Paul clarifies that I'm an apostle, one untimely born, is he in some way trying to establish honor? God has given him that honor. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. And I think there's the, the command to show honor to who honor is due. Um, yeah. Right. You know, and he talks about, I think that's that's in First Peter. Um, and I can't remember where it's at, but where it says, you know, show uh, show like a double portion of honor to those who labor for your yeah, soul. Yeah, that's actually in uh, Timothy. In Timothy, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get there. And so there is, it's a, but it is a, it is a rightly held like, yeah. uh, in, in our, in our minds and in our hearts, it is, it's, um, incomparable. Like it's not a, we're not in competition with God. Right. Yeah. It is a, it is a position of, of privilege really to be. Yeah. To, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I often think of the honor as like, yeah, like you, you try to show them honor you show them respect but really you're doing it as an act of worship to god who's right. put them in that position and like it's, it's not, not and the honor is not yeah. is not for self-gain correct it is yeah. it is to redirect focus yeah uh, to the lord yeah and to That's obey good. yeah right i think once honor seeking becomes self-promotion once it becomes self-promotion it's not godly anymore yeah. But we are to honor our parents, honor thy mother and father. We are to honor those in places of authority. We're to honor the leaders of the church. And 
we reflect the glory of God, the gracious glory of God. So there's nothing wrong with us being people of honor. And there's and there's nothing wrong with desiring an honorable position. Mm. So th- so that's right. One of the qualifications of aspire of an elder to, is to yeah. aspire to be right. that. Um, but it, you're right. It's the rightly held concept right. of it. Yeah. So there is a certain nobility in image bearing, like being an image bearer yeah. of God. Yeah brings a certain regalness, yeah. a certain nobility to the image bearer. Honor, certain little bit of glory. Yes, and it is, a, again, yeah. a reflection yeah. of the glory that is innate to God, not innate to us, yeah. a gift to us. Um, and so Paul confronts this culture. When Christians seek honor, how have we seen this, though? Um, just to wrap this up, because I know you got to go, but uh, how have we seen this in the church today in America, how have we seen honor and glory toward Christian leaders gone amok here? It's fame. It's <laughs> the famous pastor. We don't have long famous, enough time. Yeah, we don't have time for that, but um, we throw fame towards people for their popularity, their styles, their influence. Celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. We are a celebrity worship culture. Yeah. yeah. In the last infiltrated in many regards the church. I mean, right. in the last two months. Yeah. Not, I mean, we're not trying to rip on anybody. No. Ravi Zacharias. Heartbreaking. Yeah. And because he was such a figure, there was the automatic assumption that he was honorable, virtuous, yeah. worthy of being defended against, yeah. you know, any kind of, you know, slight right. towards his character. Uh, Love believes all things. Carl Lentz, <laughs> the pastor, yeah. the pastor at, Hillsong. at Hillsong. I mean, his story, he talks about just kind of getting totally disconnected from, yeah. from any kind of accountability because he's superstar and, and yeah. uh, now isn't this the common thread though accountability yeah. this is why as leaders we must hold each other accountable yeah. we have to have the c- hard conversations with each other mm-hmm. if as a senior pastor i'm being an arrogant tool <laughs> then one of you has to come the to me and say hey man that start. wasn't cool yeah. Yeah. you know and it's and you guys have been very good with me about that, and I've I've tried to do that also with you. Mm-hmm. And it's a and it's yeah. a fine line to walk too, because the fact is, is you are you are worthy of honor. You yeah. I mean you got you're working on your yeah I'm not you know yeah. <laughs> 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 you know I mean I was gonna agree with the other yeah no no philosoph- you know from a philosophical standpoint you're you're a great thinker you've yeah. worked hard in school you have you have some some credentials that are impressive. And should an be and should be respected. Yeah. They are respectable. And authority in your position as well too. You've been yeah. brought onto the yeah. You've been brought onto the the staff of this church as the lead. Yeah. You know, pastor, and so um, our approach has to be um, respectful. Has to be respectful, humble. and and yeah. and, it, and it should it should assume honorable motives on your yeah, part right. and stuff. But it also um, it has to be we're sinful people too. Courageous <laughs> and and you know yeah. and and. Uh, so, so there is a, there is a line in a, in yep. approaching that. Um, the higher up in the chain you go, the harder it is to hear the hmm. truth about yourself. Yeah. And I will tell you that you know, being the I don't want to say top dog or anything. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to suggest that. No, but some, some might say <laughs> <laughs> there is a burden in the center seat that you carry and it's a tension that you live with and on the one hand you have to be careful that the position that you're in doesn't cause you pride Mm. like you have to check that 
I mean, for me every day, yeah. lay it before the Lord. But there also is this tension of, oh man, I'm not your pal. I'm, I'm an ordained by the sovereign God has ordained me to be a pastor in this church and to be in the position that I'm in. And so there are conversations that I have with people like in my office where they've come in to get like counseling, but it's felt need counseling. And as soon as I give them the word and put a discipleship demand in their life, they'll, they'll quit our church over it. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, that is heartbreaking to me because on the one hand, you don't want to be arrogant, but on the other hand, God has given me a certain spiritual authority to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. Yeah. But people don't want that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, some people don't. Yeah. So that is a real tension in leadership, but I think accountability is the key. Yeah. I think accountability, in both of those examples you just gave, there was a sorely lacking mm. a structure of accountability, precisely for the reason that you gave, which was, um, because you want to believe the best about a person. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, the board would love to believe that I'm self-manageable <laughs> or self-managing. It's easier for them to believe that. And nine times out of ten, I am. Yeah. But it's this structure of accountability that, yeah. that helps me to deal better with my sinful nature. Yeah. Even the apostles needed it, right? Like Paul opposed Peter yes. to his face. Like, there's some accountability right. them as well. Like they needed it, you know? Yeah. So if they needed it, how much more do we too? Yeah, Galatians 2. Paul's like, I rebuked him to his face. Yeah. And told him what a hypocrite he was, <laughs> yeah. like in public. But yeah. wow, wow! Dude, so much for Matthew eighteen. And and that's another discussion. As, as you know, pastoral staff. Yeah. But the reality is, is this creeps into our positions of authority everywhere, yeah, work, home. Yeah. I you know I've I've had to apologize to Clementine not because what I was telling her to do was wrong. My heart was. Obey and respect me. Yeah. You know, and it was not a, it was not a, uh, right. hey, I'm, I'm really, this is, you know, seeking what is beneficial yeah. to you. It had turned into that sort of self exultant, like, yeah. Ad, and so it creeps in everywhere for us in whatever right. level of, of right. authority, position of honor, like God has given us. And at her age, at such a tiny little age, she will, if you continue to do that, I don't mean screw up. I mean, like, if you, when you do blow it, ask her forgiveness and confess your sin to your daughter, it teaches them to confess. It models confession for them. And that is an honorable execution of my honorable position as her father. Right. Is to be able to to say that. So, well, this one's going to be a little bit short, but thank you so much for joining us. We love you. We can't wait to, uh, until the next time we see you. And until then to the King, Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Only God. Be honor and glory <laughs> forever and ever. <laughs> Amen. 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 <laughs> See y'all.